You are listening to teaching from Grace Baptist Church in Troy, Ohio. For more information, visit www.findinggrace.net. If you would please join me tonight, I'm going to start by reading from John chapter 19, and we're going to begin, and you can turn there if you like, but I'll be reading it out loud for you. We're going to begin by reading the first half of John 19, and then we'll be ending the service with the second half of John 19. In John 19, verse 1, we read this. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns in the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in an Aramaic Galbasa. Now, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered them him over to them to be crucified. Please bow your heads as we pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight, and we gather here together to remember you to remember the sacrifice that you made on that cross that day for us. I pray, please bless the reading of your word and bless the words which I'm about to, to speak. Help guide me in the direction that you want us to go. Convict us in the way that we need to be convicted, Lord. In your holy name we pray, amen. We live in a day of social media, a day of words. And often what that means is we start our day and we end our day with social media. We start our day and end our day with things like Facebook and Twitter 
and Instagram, Snapchat. Often, we can't even go to bed before we check the status updates of all of our friends. We're looking for words. And it all started with MySpace in August 1st of 2003. In fact, in 2005, MySpace would be sold for $580 million and go on to be one of the largest social media sites in the world from 2005 to 2009. But like most things, something else bigger and better would eventually take the place of MySpace. And now we have other sites like Facebook and Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and more. The list goes on and on. And I'm sure if we were to ask any of the teens here tonight, they could probably give us a name of some new social media site that we've never heard of. Even our Bible applications on our phone and our Bible software on our computer have become social media sites where we can invite friends to be our friends and they can see updates and notifications on what we're reading, what we're doing. And in some ways that's great because they can keep us accountable. But it also shows where we are in life, that we're looking for words that matter. You see, it's really pretty scary, not just that they know of these sites and we do not know of them, but that people are drawn to these social media sites to look for answers to life, for the next great thing, for the next viral statement that's going to change their life. And everybody tries to think each day, what am I going to type on here? What am I going to put on here that's going to make somebody else think? That's going to make somebody else share my statement. Today we're going to be talking about words that matter, and you can see that on the screen there. It is finished. We're going to be talking about words that matter, but not words from Facebook, not words from Twitter, not tweets, but we're going to be talking about the Word of God. You see, I believe that not only do we live in a day of special media, social media, but we live in a day of people searching for answers. People are looking for hope. The problem is that they're searching for hope in all of the wrong places. And we live in a day where every single day this is evident. We turn on the news and you see more and more suicides and murders, homicides. You see more and more drug bust. And there's been big ones in the news lately. But then we see more and more overdoses. I just saw today that in the last 24 hours there have been 19 overdoses in Springfield. 19 in 24 hours in one city. That doesn't even include the city of Troy, which is in the news almost every day as well lately, or so it feels like it, and Dayton. And it's getting worse. Organizations have popped up all over the area and all over the world, such as Hope Over Heroin locally, and other organizations and churches are attempting to combat this epidemic that we have starting. These problems will never go away. And we know that from the Bible, that things will continue to get worse. But we can help. We have the good news. We have salvation. They search for hope and salvation from their problems, but they're searching in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways. But God's word, Jesus, is the hope that they are seeking. That's what they need, and it's the hope that we have, and we can help them find it. God desires a relationship with each and every single one of us. And we see that in Genesis 1. And in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what's great is he didn't stop there. You see, he created us. And he created us to have a relationship with him. And life was great. Life was amazing. I can only imagine what it would have been like walking in the garden. Perfect creation as God intended. 
This was paradise, and everything in it, everything lived together in perfect harmony as God intended. God himself saw it and said that it is good. Adam and Eve had a relationship with God. Can you imagine what that would have been like to have a direct relationship with God? We can't fully grasp what, what, what that would be like today, but we can definitely look forward to it in the future, and we can have a relationship with him today as well, but a different relationship. But then, in Genesis, we have the fall of mankind, and we ruined it. We allowed ourselves to be tempted by Satan, much like we do today. We went seeking for our own wisdom apart from God, much like we do today. We went looking for our own words that matter. We disobeyed his will, and we went to the one tree, the one tree in which we were told not to go to, not to eat from. But what did we do? We ate of the fruit. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. And then sin came into the world. Death came into the world. Suffering came into the world. And Christ would later come to the world to defeat this sin, to wipe it away, and to, to give us a way out, to give us salvation and hope. Death by suffocation on a cross. This is why we're here today. We're here today to remember this special day, to remember the, the suffocation that Jesus had on the cross, to remember the, the suffering that he was put through. But despite our wrongdoing, God provided for Adam and Eve, and he still provides for us today. God could have wiped everybody from the face of the earth. He could have wiped Adam and Eve away, and he could have started from scratch. He could have just given up hope and not even started at all, but he didn't. He is still here holding it all together today for us, pursuing us and tapping us on the shoulder. He wants us to pursue him as well, but he has so much more for us. People continue to search for their own wisdom, their own words that matter apart from God, whether it be on social media, whether it be books, whether it be radio and podcasts or movies or other world religions, or whether it be just them searching the world on their own and thinking they are their own gods. They're searching for wisdom on their own, away from God, not how God intended. But our very souls cry to God for help, for hope. We thirst for God. And in Psalm 42, 2, we read, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This is how we are. We thirst for God. And even tonight, tonight as we're here, we thirst for God. We thirst, we thirst for his wisdom. And in bad times, we should be searching for him and, and his ways. Just as we're reminded in Psalm 42, 6, where it says, My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. People are searching for hope. They're searching for words that matter, but we have all the words that matter here. We need to remind ourselves and we need to remind others where they can go to find this. We need to be, just as Psalm 42, 6 says, we need to be, cast, we need to be searching for him, remembering him, remembering his word. But now I ask you to fast forward to Jesus from here to the fulfilled prophecy, the Messiah, the Savior. You see, God desires a relationship with us so much that despite our sins, despite our failures, even though we run the opposite direction away from him and his will for our lives, he sent his son to die for us. And Romans 5, 8 tells us God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. 
you catch that? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's so meaningful to me. While we were still sinners. So God didn't wait for us to get back on track. God didn't wait for us to be making the perfect sacrifice, and, which could never be done, to be following after him and repenting and saying, God, I'm never going to do anything bad again. I'm, I'm all yours. But while we were sinners, God died for us. While we were like his worst enemies, God sent his son to die for us. All of you may be able to think back to a time when you've said or you've thought, I would die for you. Maybe you're thinking about your family, your wife, your husband, your kids. I would die for them. But would you die for your worst enemy? Would you die for somebody that's always throwing you under the bus and trying to, to shame you, publicly shame you? But this is what God did for us. God sent Christ to die for us while we were sinners. You see, God loves us so much that he did that. We're not God's enemies. We're his children. He is our creator and our father and our Lord. This is how much God loves us. And don't misunderstand me. We cannot fully understand just how much God loves us, but this definitely helps to paint a picture for us of how much his love is for us. Psalm 92.5 tells us, How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this. And in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, his word helps to paint a picture for us. We can never fully understand his love for us, just how much he loved us. We can never fully understand what words matter and what don't, but we can know that every single word that he gives us in the Bible does matter. And these words are here for us, and they're here for the people of the world and to help other people. And then God sent his son to bear our burden on the cross, to die for us, to help us. These are words that matter. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't save ourselves. We try every day. But there's nothing that we can do. All we do is create our own destruction, our own problems. Romans 6.23 tells us, the, wa the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God sent his one and only Son to die for you. John 3.16 See, I'm trying to paint a picture for you of just how much we matter to God and how much his word matters to us. He sent his one and only son to die for us. I hope that paints a picture for you as we look into God's word tonight. Of how we look into what Dan referenced as what is our good day, or Caleb, but was a bad day for Jesus. This is what Jesus did for us. And would you send your son to die for somebody else? Would you send your son to die for your enemies? For somebody who wasn't even paying attention to you? But this is what God did for us. This is why we are here today. We're here today to remember Jesus' life, which included what happened that day. We're here today to remember his death and his crucifixion, his punishment, the sufferings that he went through. Jesus' unjust treatment through trial, punishment, crucifixion, and death upon a Roman cross. What has been said to be mo one of the most horrific, one of the most painful 
sufferings that was ever created by man. And they created it in such a way that they could control the suffering, the amount of suffering. It was the most amount of suffering that somebody could, could go through without death. And then they would control the death by breaking their legs so that they would suffocate. But as we mourn this day, we also celebrate. As we remember what happened three days later and what we'll be celebrating on Easter Sunday, we'll be celebrating that he raised from the dead. But through all this, we're celebrating the salvation that we have because of Jesus. So I want us to turn to John 19 to read the second half of that as we get to three simple words that matter. The words that matter most to me at the, are at the end of this. So, John 19, verse 16 to 30. If you like him, follow along. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Gargotha, or Calvary. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill Scripture, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture i thirst a jar full of sour wine stood there so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth when jesus had received the sour wine he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit it is finished Three simple words by themselves. It is finished. We use them in everyday language. But here together, it is finished. And by Jesus Christ saying it, it had meaning. They were really words that matter. Three words which created hope for us. Jesus finished the job that he had set out to accomplish. God always finishes out what he begins to set out to accomplish. Whether it be a job in your life or his will here on the cross, Jesus always accomplishes what he sets out to do. But Jesus said, it is finished. Finished were the sufferings of Christ. Finished was Satan's stronghold or rule over humanity. Finished was our salvation. Finished 
defeating Satan, death, judgment, and sin. It is finished. Satan no longer has a hold because Jesus has conquered it all, and we have salvation through him, because of him. There is nothing for us to need to add to his sacrifice. We do not need to earn our own salvation through good works, and we never could do so anyways. We can try and try all we like, but we can never do enough good to earn what we do not deserve. But because of Jesus, we have this. He was the final sacrifice, and we can now regain a relationship with God by believing in Christ as our Savior. The death, punishment, and crucifixion of Christ is hard to read. It's hard to think of, but it paints a picture to which we may or may not like to look at, but we need to remember. To each side of him was a real criminal, but he was not one. He did not, need, he did not deserve to be there as the criminals did, but he was there to suffer for us. He was facing God's judgment, the punishment that we deserved on that cross, for us, so that we could be forgiven. He was hated, rejected, betrayed, abandoned, tortured, beaten, scourged, and flogged. And he still, after all that, had to carry his own cross up to be crucified. He was pierced and broken, cursed and killed for you and me. He was both fully human and fully God, and he had the power to make it all go away, but he didn't. He felt it all, and he lived through it all for us. He felt every whip when he was flogged. He felt every piece of skin being ripped away, and he felt all the pain as he carried that cross. And Jesus never did a miracle for his own benefit. And you think right then and there, we have the Son of God being hung on a cross, He could do a miracle right there for himself. He could snap his fingers and it all go away, but he didn't. He could snap his fingers and push pause, and he could have, when he thirsted, he could have created a stream and quenched his own thirst, but he didn't. He could have snapped his fingers and made another way, but he didn't. Isaiah 53, 5 tells us, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we're healed. Not, not just physically, but spiritually, we are healed. It brings tears to our eyes as we think of these things, but we need to remember them. We need to remember that he died for us. He went through all of this for us. Every year I try and watch movies like The Passion of the Christ, and it does bring tears to my eyes, and I hate watching it. But I watch it because it's a great remembrance to remember just how far he went for us. He went all the way. He went till it is finished. And that is, again, what we are here for today, to remember all of this. Because you matter. It is because of his sacrifice that we are saved. By his stripes we're healed and we can have salvation. It is finished. A shout of victory. Victory. Words that matter. And not I am finished, and then he died, but it is finished because he was done with the job that he came to do. We now have hope and hope of salvation and eternal life, hope beyond our own understanding, but only because of Christ's sacrifice 
and his resurrection that we will celebrate in three days. And as the men start to come up for communion, I'd like to wrap this up with a few thoughts for us to consider. Let us end this message with these thoughts. What will we do with the message of Christ's sacrifice? What will we do with what he did? With what he did for us on this day of remembrance? Will we hold it in for ourselves? Will we simply come to church each week, read our Bibles at home, and think we're a great disciple because we're, we're digging deep into his word and gaining more knowledge of him? People are searching for hope. They're searching for answers, and we have the answers to be able to give them. Are we going to give them those answers? Are we going to share what we have? We have words that matter. And I want to ask, I want to challenge each of you to go from here today, to, today and to deliver this hope. Deliver these words that matter to Troy, to Tip City, to Piqua. Wherever you come from, deliver these words that matter to them. Go and perform the great commandment, which we so proudly hang up there. Make disciples of all nations. Don't just remember God's word, but put it into action and do God's word. Show people the way in which they need to go. Please bow your heads as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your message tonight, but most importantly, Lord, we thank you for sending your son today to die for us. And as we mourn the sacrifice that he made for us and the death and the pain, the suffering that he had to go through for us, for sinners, for people who at the time didn't even appreciate anything he was doing. We just thank you, Lord. We remember this now. Your holy and powerful name. Amen.